HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Fulton Stall Market, reopening their outdoor market in the Seaport District in May 2021. Learn more at fultonstallmarket.org. This week on Meet and 3, we're jumping into a world filled with fizz, iridescence, and deliciousness. We're talking about bubbles. It came from the air gas truck. Yeah, no, I never thought about it before that. And I think it's emerged as a bulbous tea shops, a site of Asian-American youth uh, identity building. We're called the invisible industry because these products you don't really see, but they're around us in every way, um, every day. Listen to Meet and 3 wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Laurence Farad. We'll talk to Laurence about the Southern Rhone, Domaine du Pego, and her other projects. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Laurence Farad grew up at the family winery in the Southern Rhone of France, returning in 1987 after studying, studying wine and the wine business to join her dad, working with him at their story Domaine du Pego in Chateau Neuf de Pop. In 2005, Laurence took on full oversight in winemaking at the winery. Laurence has extended the family holdings, creating Chateau Pego and her selection, Laurence Ferrard. Welcome to the Grape Nation, Laurence. Uh, good, uh, good, good evening, Sam. And it's an honor for me uh, to be interviewed for the Grape Nation. Thank you very same, much. Same thing here. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, we're talking to Laurence remotely via Zencaster. Where are you right now, Laurence? I'm uh, at home, like many people <laughs> in France, because we have okay. the lockdown at right. 7 p.m. Okay. Um, all right. So, Laurence, let's get started this way. Um, I want you to give us a little background on your journey um, in life and wine and how you got to the family winery and ultimately, you know, along with your dad, you know, running the family business domain to um, Pago, you know, and the other properties. Um, tell me, you know, how you got to where you are. Um, it's a few circumstances and uh, each time I had been lucky uh, to have uh, a, a new challenge, I think I was uh, all the time really willing to, to, to take it. And uh, it's why uh, probably uh, I, um, I had a different stage of the, you know, of the, the business uh, increasing. And um, 
And I, what I really, when I started with my father in 1987, uh, we created the domain and we were uh, quite small and completely unknown. Um, then uh, we worked mostly of the time in the vineyard. I mean, the vineyard, uh, uh, we can work a full year in the vineyard, but sometimes the weather doesn't really um, uh, doesn't really match with what we have to do here in the south of France. We, it's very windy and uh, cold in the winter, but in the winter, but we don't have any snow. We don't have uh, uh, too much rain. But um, we uh, we have to prune in the wind uh, in the Mistral, which is very very hard work. Uh, and our vineyard are very low, like bushes. So for two years, I worked full-time in the vineyard. Then uh, I decided to uh, really um, take the way to, uh, to export uh, our first uh, wine bottled to uh, USA and Japan because I had the contact there. And uh, uh, when I decided to export, I already studied uh, in, uh, in the marketing and uh, the business, the wine business. Then I talk English. So at that time, it was uh, quite rare, I can say, in this area in the south of France, when the people, they, especially a farmer, they talk English. Then I had that really chance to, uh, to speak. And then all my... Uh, I could say my my customers they uh, they were very comfortable to really market the wine, and uh, uh, we uh, we started with uh, two thousand bottles per year. Then uh, we increased to uh, four thousand. Uh, many also critics, uh, like of course uh, the wine advocate by uh, Robert Parker and uh, Michel Bétan for La Revue du Vin de France, and uh, even my wine importer, they promoted Pego very well, and that was also very helpful for me. And uh, we, um, in that way, we uh, we earn a little more money to expand the vineyard, to buy some more uh, field. And uh, and then the domain de Pego increased and increased. Um, then also I had uh, the idea to create a new cuvée. The cuvée is, um, is uh, usually uh, the vineyard selections. And uh, we have uh, a wine... Uh, made uh, separate than the uh, normal and standard cuvee. And of course, uh, in 1998, we created that cuvee Capo, make really the domain very famous over the world. Right. That's, that's your best wine and you don't make it every year, right? Exactly. Yeah. We only make it in the best vintage. And the best vintage, it's, it's only decided when I'm picking grapes, you know, in Chateauneuf du Pape, we have uh, to uh, harvest by hand. So everything is hand-picked pick, hand uh, and uh, we select the best bunches. But when is uh, the, the best weather from spring to, uh, to fall, right. uh, we have, uh, uh, we have uh, for sure a great vintage. But... Every day during the, the picking, I really taste the berries and I know what if it will be the best wine to produce a Dacapo. This is very right. important to, uh, to right. taste and to be in a vineyard every, every day and to see how much um, the quality of wine, the quality of grapes uh, change from the beginning of the harvest to the end, it could be, uh, of course, ripe at the beginning, but started very ripe, and it depends on whether we will have during the harvest time. So to that point, so you started in the fields in 87, and then you got on the business side. You helped literally to sell the wine, grow the business, bring some cash in, and um, you know, you were able to expand the business. You know, now you're back at the winery 
full-time doing everything, right? Yeah. Um, you know, your dad is there. I know your mom is around, which is great. Um, to, I, I'm very curious about this because I think in your region there's a big effect. I want to ask you about climate change in the region. You know, what effect has this had on the grapes, harvest time, you know, what grapes you should be growing and picking them? Mm. Um, has that changed through the years? Do you have to pick earlier? Or are you changing, you know, your percentages of what you grow? Um, the, I could say the global uh, warmer climate um, had for sure an impact in the world. Um, Chateauneuf du Pape is not very significant, actually. Okay. But um, there is uh, some part of the season with, uh, I could say, a huge uh, temperature difference. Like in the winter, it might be a little bit colder than it was, and summer hotter than it was. So this, uh, in fact, the, you know, there's a very uh, big I say lapse between uh, the winter and the summer. Um, right. The some of the wine producer they have a, a vineyard situated in Chateauneuf du Pape area where they are allowed to uh, irrigate. On my part, where I have my field, which is uh, east of the Appellation, between uh, Chateauneuf du Pape. Courtaison, the village, and Bedari, the Ziozo's village, is like a triangle on the east of the Appellation. Right. Um, I'm not allowed to irrigate, and anyway, there's no water at all because it's uh, almost the highest point of the Appellation. Um, but uh, we are not allowed to irrigate, there's no water around anyway. But uh, we have a terroir uh, very uh, protected uh, against uh, that very uh, hot temperature. Because uh, it seems when we look to a terroir uh, uh, fully stony, uh, to, uh, to have a very dry soil. In fact, it's completely opposite. We have... Uh, a lot of humidity under the stone. And the stone, they, they are very important in that uh, regulation because um, there's no evaporation. Right. So the soil is still all the time humid uh, with humidity. So you, you don't have to worry because of that, of the heat, of sugars ripening too early and having to harvest too early. Everything hasn't been affected in a major way, you're saying. Yeah. I, for sure, I'm not too much worried okay. today, uh, but uh, we have to um, we have to uh, to control uh, the probably to leave enough leaves on the plant in the summer to uh, keep a, like a, a shade for the right. for the bench canopy. Yeah, mm, we. Um, of course, we have also to, uh, to, when we have the opportunity to replant, I mean, every, uh, every year we have a, a plant died in a vineyard, in a field, then we replace sometimes by uh, right. another type of grapes than the Grenache. Of course, we have 80% Grenache, 70% uh, Grenache, some of the part of the vineyard, but we replant with another type of grapes we are allowed in Chateauneuf-du-Pape, like uh, Vacares, uh, the berries are bigger. Um, Sensour, the berries are bigger as well. When right. the berries is bigger, uh, that means it will be more juicy and that will help to, uh, for the press and to have uh, a wine more fruity. And, uh, and a better balance between the concentration of uh, uh, some of the varieties like Grenache, uh, when it's very hot, slightly overripe, with a juicy right. type of grapes. And also so, we have a sandy soil. Sandy soils is very uh, mineral and keep a lot of freshness and a nice acidity, which is very, very important. Yes. Um so in talking about Grenache and the other grapes, um, 
that's the beauty of their own. I mean, there's 13 plus varietals that you can use, but tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, I've had the wine many, many times. And of course I've had other Chateau Neufs. Um, I look at, um, Pego as an icon of the traditional style of Chateau Neuf de Pop in the Southern Rhone. Um, do you agree with me? Uh, I wanted to keep the tradition, so I continue to keep the tradition. This is a traditional winemaking process with the material we have. I mean, the the, the grapes we have and we uh, we accommodate with the weather to have the best, uh, the perfect ripeness to pick the bunch. And we continue to make that traditional uh, winemaking process with a full cluster. That means right. we don't stamp. We don't take that. The, we don't take the green stamp um, off. We keep all the cluster, and um, that give to the wine a, a spine, um, right. some freshness, and a nice acidity. Some of the vintage they could be a little more tannic because we have tannin from the skin and tannin from the stem. Um, and it depends if the vintage is juicy, then we don't feel too much the tannin from the stem. But if it's a very low yield, because right. we don't have enough rain in the summer, then the stem is in a higher percentage, in fact. Then we have to, uh, uh, we have some uh, tannin. Um, and but the tannin they are important. If the vintage is uh, small, small year, then of course we have to age the wine longer to have a softer tannin. But as right. you know, at Domaine de Pego, we won't change uh, the winemaking process. And this is very interesting because uh, we can guess uh, when we make a vertical tasting. Average the weather we had in right. that vintage or another. Right. So you're making no concessions to modern day tastes. You're making your wine exactly uh, in the yeah. traditional way, the way you want. Now, when you look around, and I'm sure you know you taste wines from all over the world and the region. Um, have you seen stylistic changes with Chateau Neuf de Pop in the region through the years? I mean, have you seen a variety of styles, tasted a variety other than your uh, wines? There's, I mean, a, these... there's, a many, um, there's, there's many wine producers. They, um, sometimes they, uh, they, they could doubt when they, uh, they start the business or right. they want to change the tradition. Or they, they want to, to experiment something else, which I understand, and especially the younger generation. Um, I understand there's a, there are many change today, but there were as well many change during, uh, I think, uh, the 20s, the, the 2000s. There were right. very, uh, very, uh, very big change. Um, the, the result about the change is not uh, very early. Mostly of the time, you uh, you have the result 10, 20 years later. And right. uh, this is important for the young winemaker because uh, they will know in the future if they, they, was, they were right or not. Bec because the Chateauneuf du Pape, the tradition is to drink it 15 years, 20 years later. Right. And if we if we want some uh, spiciness, some uh, complexity in a wine, uh, some wine very warm, and uh, when we open a Chateau Neuf du Pape at the beginning of the dinner, we want to have uh, all this flavor development during the dinner to uh, to, to the end of the dinner, and to, to really. Um, have uh, of this range of flavor than uh, no one other's wine can really give to uh, to the to the consumer. It's crazy because we have the power, we have the spicy, we have the alcohol that bring the aroma out of the glass. 
Um, and this, um, this change make very, uh, uh, very, uh, a lot of interest in our palate. It's exactly like the modern food today. When you have uh, some coarse in your plate, you like to have some um, creamy, crispy, uh, acidity. Right. You, you want to have something sparkling in your mouth to, uh, to really keep awake. And this is very interesting also for the Chateau Neuf du Pape because with the 13 different types of grapes, um, we, we have this very uh, uh, interest when we taste the wine. Now, is one of the things that happened, were producers increasing the alcohol levels? You know, Chateau Neuf de Pop is a big wine, 13, 14. I mean, were people pushing the alcohol to 15, 16? Um, was that one of the issues? Uh, no. Today, uh, the people in the world, they are not really a fan about the high alcohol. Too much, right? Yeah, yeah it's too much. Um, but uh, in in our regulation in Chateauneuf du Pape, to uh, to have the agreement of Chateauneuf du Pape appellation d'origine protected, protégé or controlled, um, right. we ha we need to produce a wine minimum twelve point five percentage alcohol. So this is our minimum anyway to be a Chateauneuf du Pape. Right. Uh, during so that's, that's... the 2000, the people, they really push uh, the extraction and they push to have a, a higher alcohol, to have a more full body. But the, uh, for me, the best wine in uh, any appellation, anywhere in the world, is a wine with a great balance. When right. you feel something in a wine, I mean, if you feel too much alcohol, if you feel too much tannin, if you feel too much fruit, um, for me, it's unbalanced. When it's you, a perfect balance, that's smooth, and uh, you just uh, take a pleasure when you drink a wine. I, I agree totally. Do you think people were pushing the alcohol because that was a style that was getting higher ratings, you know, from a lot of the critics? Uh, it was a time the, the, the critics, they like high alcohol probably right. to have, uh, probably to have, uh, to make a distinction between uh, a Bordeaux or between uh, the other wine as well. So Chateauneuf-du-Pape had the reputation to be a, a, a powerful wine, a big wine. But what is the big wine for, for, for a consumer or another consumer? If, uh, example, you taste uh, an Australian wine, you have or some of Californian as well from uh, right. south of California, then you can have a very high alcohol contain. But for the wine producer and the consumer of south of California or Australian, even 15 is not high. But for uh, right. someone who produces a wine uh, with a lower alcohol, 15 is too much. It depends. Uh, but for sure, the people, they thought a big Chateauneuf-du-Pape was a Chateauneuf-du-Pape with a high alcohol content. But for me, right. this is not the truth. Uh, a good Chateauneuf-du-Pape and uh, the powerful Chateauneuf-du-Pape may be some, uh, some, the power may be from the, uh, the taste of the deepness. We have some clay, the terroir, it's clay, but with uh, red clay. Red clay right. means, in fact, we have some iron contained in the soil. And that gives some licorice taste. That gives some density ah. in the middle palate. And then we can talk about uh, the power as well. But not the power in the volume, but the power in the deepness. Right. Um, I want to talk to you about the domain, and I want to talk to you about the wines in the region. But before that, I just want to go back on something. You know, you mentioned early on that in 87, you know, you created the domain. But just take a few seconds. The family's connection to wine didn't start in 87. It goes back many years. Is that true? 
Um, the the family, yes, from my grandfather's, my father's father side, uh, but uh, the three quarters of my family uh, arrived from Italy, and the Italian they knew how to make the wine. Uh, then, uh, of of course, I have some roots, very old, and my grandmother she was uh, the winemaker, and ah. but her origin is from Italy. Uh, and my my grandfather was a farmer, but he farmed uh, 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 grapes, uh, olives, um, cherries, and mm-hmm. uh, different vegetables. Right. But um, really, in a wine, that was my grandparents. And my grandmother, she was really, for me, uh, one of the best uh, winemakers. Really? really? She always uh, inspired me. So, so women, women rock at Pegot, which is great. That's <laughs> oh, nice to hear. Sure. And I know you, and I know your daughter, Justine, um, yes. is in the business too. We'll talk about her in a couple of minutes. Um, let's talk about the domain. Um, you make three Chateau Neuf de Pops, you know, we mentioned them, but we'll go over them. You make a couple of, uh, whites. Um, but before that, and we discussed a little of this, but, but, Tie it together for me a little more. Tell me a little about the climate you're dealing with. Um, explain what those mistral winds are. Um, the soil you got into, but you didn't get into the galet rule. Um, there's the sand, the limestone, and the clay. You have multiple vineyard sites. You know, I want to hear about that. Um, and you did mention it. You deal with, you know, over a dozen, you know, varietals of which, you know, the Grenache is the predominant. So tell me a little about, you know, the area that you're, you know, farming with. Okay. Weather, land, you know, all of that. <laughs> uh, we, we Chateauneuf du Papa is uh, in the south of the Rhone Valley. Um, is uh, famous uh, from the 14th century when the Pope they arrive. Uh, what I have to say for sure, Chateauneuf du Papa is a pop new castle. But we had oh. nine pops, but there's no connection with uh, neuf in French means nine, but uh, there's no connection with the number. It's a pop okay. new castles. Uh, the Pope they arrive in Chateauneuf. And, they arrived in Avignon, they built the Pop Palace, and they built the summer house, the castle in Chateauneuf-du-Pape. Uh, they planted vines. And they planted vines because it was probably uh, the, best, uh, uh, I, the best climate to uh, produce um, a, a wine and to have some grapes with a short plant like a bushes with a very big uh, stock. Uh, you know, the Grenache has a big stock. Uh, right. Since ni- 1870, since 1870, uh, when we had the phylloxera, all our uh, varietal are grafted on the American rootstock. Mm. Um, so we have a Grenache, which is a very big stock graft on the American rootstock, Rupestris. Nice. Um, this is a one of, of more technical, but this is important okay. because uh, we had uh, we had phylloxera, and phylloxera in fact in France uh, devastated uh, three quarters of France vineyard, French vineyard. Right. Um, the everywhere, they, right? Yeah. Uh, except, except uh, the vineyard in a sandy soil. But sandy, right. I mean salty, salty. Right. Like you can have on the west, uh, the Vendée, or even uh, uh, completely south of France, some uh, vineyard uh, before the phylloxera, so before 1870. So this right. is very interesting to, uh, uh, to taste uh, the wine uh, before the phylloxera, and there's no plant graft. That means it's from the pied, the direct right. uh, stock. The Grenache was probably the most appropriate uh, in this area with a very strong wind, the Mistral. The Grenache is short, 
robust and um, and can grow uh, in the stone. Uh, then after we had uh, Syrah. Syrah is all, the only type of grapes we have the right to put on the trailers. All mm. the other varieties we have to put in a goblet, that means bushes. Right. Uh, all this regulation of Chateauneuf-du-Pape was um, created by Le Baron Le Roi de Boisomarie. The Baron uh, installed all the regulation and uh, the regulation of Chateauneuf-du-Pape was in 1936. Then we had that famous bottle you know, uh, in the glass is printed with the key of the pop and the hat of the pop. Right. That the bottle was uh, created in 1937, and that was a guarantee. The wine bottled in that glass uh, was from a vinegar, a winemaker, and uh, and he bottled his wine. So that was very interesting because before. Many, a lot of wine in bulk was uh, shipped to uh, Burgundy or to Bordeaux or even to England to be bottled. Mm. It's why Chateauneuf-du-Pape, they created that bottled glass. And uh, that, uh, that's very important because uh, it's very historical, that bottle of wine. Then to right. be back about the vineyard, um, Chateau d'Ave du Pape, it's for on 3,300 hectares, which is uh, average 7,000 acres. And this is the Appellation Controlée. Outside of that limit, it's not Chateau d'Ave du Pape anymore. Over that board is uh, Côte du Rhône or Vin de France. Right. Uh, in that 7,000 acres, we have... Uh, uh, four different terroirs. The main terroir is uh, soil is uh, stony, like the big pebbles. Smooth um, pebbles, right? Yes. We have sandy soil, but it's not salty. It's sandy, like right. silice. We have clay, and uh, we have limestone. Domaine de Pego, as I said, is mostly on the east of the Appellation, is all on the east of the Appellation. Uh, and we have the three terroirs, sandy, clay, and stony. We don't have okay. limestone. Um, this is very important because uh, we have in Chateauneuf-du-Pape 13 types of grapes. So Grenache, Syrah, Mourvèdre, and each of the, the variety gives um, um, give a characteristic in the wine and gives a, a note in the wine. And we, is why we call it the symphony of the 13 different varietal. Right. It's why I call it the da capo and the music, uh, the da capo. Ah. To have that symphony. Your best wine is the da capo, right? Yes. To repeat that symphony of the 13 type of grapes. Um, for the Chateau Neuf du Pape, we have so the Grenache, but the Grenache planted in a sandy soil will be uh, very elegant with a nice minerality, with uh, a great length. The Grenache planted in a stony soil it will be more uh, powerful, uh, high alcohol contained, sometimes um, uh, overripe. Mm. And uh, the Grenache in uh, in a clay will be um, licorice, will be spicy, and uh, and really deep and tight. And the Grenache in a limestone will be uh, quite powerful, with uh, more sharp and uh, and also great length because it's quite mineral as well. So this right. is very interesting because uh, we have four terroirs. We are 280 wine producers. With four terroirs and 13 different varietals planted in uh, everywhere, 
that <laughs> give a thousand and thousand combination. Sure. Plus now, but plus we, you're on you're on multiple parcels too, yes, right? I mean, you're sure. you're not on contiguous like Lacroix is, you know, one parcel, and then you have yeah. the parcel around Lacroix. It's sandy soil only for me, for okay. Domaine de Pigou. It's a four and a half hectares, so eight acres, uh, nine acres, sorry, nine acres of sandy soil Lacroix. And uh, Lacroix Sandy Soil for Domaine de Pego, it's 70% of the Dacapo. So that means so the Dacapo that... is a power wine because it, it's only in a great vintage, but it's very elegant because it's now, come from the Sandy now, Soil. Now, did, did you acquire Lacroix um, later on or that was something that was always a family property? No, uh, we bought Lacroix in 1995. And I remember well because my son... Uh, is born in 1995. Uh, now, do, aren't there other um, Chateau Neuf Dupont makers that you know have land on Lacroix too? For sure, Lacroix yeah. is one of the largest part of Chateau Neuf Dupont. Right. Um, all right, um, Laurence, we have to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, I want to talk to you about some of your vineyard practices and cellar practices, um, but we'll get to that in a minute. We're talking to Laurence Farad. Laurence is the um, proprietor of um, Domaine du Pego, and we are also going to talk to Laurence about some of our other projects. You're listening to The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Fulton Stall Market, reopening their outdoor market in the Seaport District in May 2021. Fulton Stall Market is a nonprofit indoor public farmer's market. It offers locally grown and produced healthy and affordable fresh food to the Seaport and Lower Manhattan community. Fulton Stall Market is a direct sales outlet for over 100 New York region farmers and small batch independent food producers. They have been operating as a public market to serve the Seaport community since 2015. While you shop at Fulton Stall Market, you can pick up a few guides from Escape Maker's informational kiosk. Escape Maker connects urbanites with local farm, winery, craft beverage, and culinary getaways within a day's drive or train ride of New York City. Learn about day trips from New York, where you can explore the best agritourism the region has to offer. Learn more at FultonStallMarket.org and EscapeMaker.com. Okay, we're back. We're back with my guest, Laurence Farad. Um, Laurence, we talked about um, Pigau and, and really everything that surrounds it, the weather, the soils, the grapes. Um, tell me a few things. Um, let's talk about vineyard practices first and then take me in the cellar. Um, are you practicing sustainability, organics? Do you go as far as biodynamics? Um, tell me what you're doing because we all know how important you know farming is. So mm -hmm. how are you farming your grapes? We, uh, today, all our red wine, uh, I mean, a red uh, vineyard, we, uh, we work uh, in the organic way, okay. but um, we are not certified. Because, okay, uh, in, many people are like that. In 2018, we had a, a lot of rain and a lot of mold. And it was not easy to really, uh, I could say, fight with that. <coughs> and right. uh, usually we don't have mold because um, with the wind, the wind, the mistral dry up everything. Then we don't need to spray because um, it's easy to make uh, organic wine, I could say, in this area. Right. In white is different. White, uh, the white uh, vineyard, uh, we have um, one. We have three acres in white, and we we'll expect to have uh, another 
vineyard in white, and that will be uh, uh, four acres. Um, in white, we we practice the biodynamic culture. Ah, so because you're able to more, I could say, uh, uh, committed. Cons- uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Now on the whites, quickly. Um, what are the varietals, the predominant varietals, and what else are you blending in your whites? Uh, it's claret. Claret, it's very important. Uh, claret gives the acidity. In the south uh, of France, we have that hot weather, and uh, having a white with a high percentage alcohol, with a heavy taste, over mature or sometimes slightly oxidized, is is not what we are looking for. The white wine, we need right. acidity, we need freshness, we need a white flower, uh, peach, um, a lot of uh, or grapefruit uh, taste. This is very very important, and uh, and this is uh, only uh, claret. Claret is very very important. Uh, right. to have uh, and give that acidity. Beside the claret and Chateauneuf-du-Pape, claret is, uh, for me, it's 60%. Then we have uh, 20% Grenache white to um, to give the characteristic of Chateauneuf-du-Pape. For me, to produce a Chateauneuf-du-Pape, we, uh, we have... To, uh, to blend with a little Grenache. Right. Uh, 20% Grenache. Then we have 10% Bourboulenc. Bourboulenc is a local grape. Uh, gives sometimes uh, uh, some bitterness. And mm. uh, bitterness is good for the freshness. Like we can find some bitterness in a grapefruit. And then we have a uh, Roussanne. Roussanne is quite famous here. Right. Uh, but Roussano, we really need to uh, handle properly the bunch to uh, not having uh, too much gold color in the wine. Right. Um, those the 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 wines from Chate- the whites from Chateau Neuf de Pape are delicious and you know underappreciated to some extent. I guess because there's not a lot made and a lot doesn't get around. But, you know, I'm encouraging anyone, if they ever see them, they're so well made. Tell me about, um, we talked about um, farming practices. Tell me in the cellar, you know, I'm assuming if you follow organics and biodynamics with the whites, you're carrying, you know, a lot of that mindset and those principles into the cellar. Mm. Tell me about the cellar practices. For the white, we have two cuvées. We have the cuvée réservée. Uh, we produce cuvée réservée for many, many years in white. I'm, I think since uh, 1989, but we were, we were not very good uh, at that time. So we really make <laughs> okay. a lot of progress in the quality okay. for the white. That's good to hear. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, yeah. we we have uh, all the, we we need to progress uh, all the life. It's normal. Uh, it's, right. it's human, um, and um, we have two quality. We have the cuvée réservée, which is a blend. Uh, I, uh, I I told you, sixty uh, percent claret, twenty percent Grenache white, ten percent Bourboulenc, and ten percent Roussanne. We uh, press directly uh, all the grapes together. And we keep the, ju- the juice in a stainless steel vat. We cool it down to have uh, all the sediment decant. Then we rack and then we raise uh, slightly the temperature to uh, average 14 uh, degrees Celsius. And the winemaking process starts with natural yeast. This is very important. It does. Yes. Okay. Since we have a uh, organic culture in red and biodynamic in white. We have uh, a very um, uh, indigene uh, yeast activity, which is very important. Um, Then uh, we make the wine in a stainless steel, uh, usually with a a low temperature. The white will, will ferment for three weeks, one month. 
Concerning our top cuvee in white, we call it a tempo, which is a pendant of the da capo, but a tempo ah. in white. Uh -huh. We have uh, three uh, different varietals. We have Grenache, Roussanne, and Claret, one third of each. When we arrive in a winery, we make the wine in three different continents. We use the concrete egg, very small, uh, six, uh, 600 liters egg. Uh, concrete egg, it's very interesting because since we use uh, the concrete egg uh, since uh, uh, 2015, we have a creaminess in the middle palette for the white. Then we have a, a nice acidity from the part of the white we make the, the wine in uh, stainless steel. And then we make a part of the, the wine in uh, old oak barrique. Ah. The, the, the Atempo, we are looking for the blend after between the concrete egg, the old oak barrique, and the stainless steel to have the perfect balance. If I, you know, for the white wine, we, um, we, we have to build a white wine. Right. And it's, it's very uh, delicate. Uh, for me, it's quite intellectual to make uh, amazing white. Yeah, it sounds like many steps. Yes. Um, you know, which is very interesting. Um, I wish there was more of it. <laughs> <laughs> and the Atempo, you know. it's, uh, very, uh, it's very complex because we have this uh, nice uh, freshness with uh, stainless steel, with the creaminess in the middle of it, and mm. slightly nutty in the back due to the, the old barrique. And, and really that balance and stage by stage step by step in your mouth and back nose uh, the the lens never stop and this is that circle it's very very interesting and the white today getting older I'm getting older the the the, the white wine for me it's more intellectual and uh, right. as it uh, ages yeah. yes yes that sounds great um, I wanted to ask you about um, for the red current yeah so for the right. red uh, as i said is a traditional winemaking process the red uh, to compare with the white uh, the and uh, making the red in a tradition the most in important is what really will picked in the vineyard that will right. give us the result for the red we have a three cuvee we have the cuvee réservé uh, which is uh, all the different vineyards uh, co-planted and co-fermented with a full cluster. The winemaking process is 15 days maximum. We gently pump over. Uh, no punching, no delestage, not, nothing is technical. No, we don't cool down as well. No cooling. Right. Uh, after 15 days, we press. And we aged the cuvée réservé two years in a large cask, usually, or I don't know, it's uh, 60 hectolitres, 6,000 litres, maybe uh, 45,000 gallons, or I'm not sure, I don't know. It, it's wood though, right? Mm, yes, wood. It's Only wood, okay. Then right. from the cuvée réservé, uh, after two years, the cuvée réservé, we, uh, we blend the barrels where the cuvée réservé uh, age to make a cuvée réservé the final blend of, example, vintage uh, 2018. We bottled always in November. Then we fill up back from that final blend, we fill up back one barrel to age an extra two years to become the cuvée Laurence. The Cuvée Laurence is always the same wine as the Cuvée Réservé, but with an extra aging. How much longer? Two years. So that means okay. the Cuvée Laurence is four years in a cask, in a large old oak barrel. Right. 
Why? Because uh, the people, they don't have a very good cellar. And they and they or they want a wine Chateauneuf du Pape mature, they can buy the Cuvée Laurence. The Cuvée Laurence is not specifically a higher Cuvée because it's the same as a réservé, but longer aging in the barrels. The wine has less tannin. Uh, everything is better integrated with a more spiciness. And you have really the the result of a wine faster aging. Right. For the people, they have a good seller. I advise the cuvée réservé. They lie down the bottle and uh, they store the wine for 10 years, 20 years. The cuvée réservé will close down. I mean, the wine will close down and open back probably in seven or 10 years right. later. For the Cuvée Laurence, they don't need to lie down the bottle. They can open it and they can pour the wine. It's always open, right. mature, and ready drinkable. That's great. And the Dacapo? And the Dacapo is a, a vineyard selection in a top vintage, which is right. decided during the harvest. And it's the same winemaking process as a Reserve. Same okay. aging as the Reserve, two years in the barrel. But the Dakapo so it's more, by it's, the blend, it, yeah. It's more a site selection. Yes, yes. The Dakapo. The right. Dakapo, it's 70% sandy soil to have that elegance, but it's stony soil, it's red clay as well. And uh, the taste of the Dakapo is uh, very particular, very unique to, yeah. uh, with that, um, I could say, um, um, sort of, uh, it's powdery uh, and uh, and creamy as well, and the big wine right. with a lot of finesse. Um, and the Dacapo, when we produce the Dacapo, we don't make the Cuvée Laurence. Oh, I didn't know that. Every That's vintage, we have only two Cuvées. That means uh, ah. for normal vintage, we produce Cuvée Réservée, Cuvée Laurence. But the Laurence will be uh, bottled, released two years right. later, four years in total. If we I decide to do that. the Dacapo, then we don't make the Cuvée Laurence in the same vintage. Right. Um, I wanted to bring something up that you were able to spread your wings um, by doing a couple of things. You know, we, the... The Chateau Neuf is very specific, and you got into very specific detail, which I think everyone understands a lot better. But in the region, as you mentioned, um, there is there are vineyards outside of Chateau Neuf de Pop. And about a decade ago, you created Chateau Pego, and not too long ago, you created Selection Laurence Farad. Um, these were vehicles for you to make other grapes other than the Chateau Neuf de Pop, true? Um, for um, Chateau Pégo, uh, the Côte du Rhône and the Côte du Rhône village, we, right. uh, we don't have, um, we have similar grapes of Chateau Neuf du Pape. Okay. This is also a part, of, we have a regulation. Uh, softer than Chateauneuf du Pape, of course, but we have a, a, a very a strict regulation as well uh, concerning uh, the grapes varietal we plant in a Côte du Rhône and Côte du Rhône village. Uh, example for the white, uh, the white Côte du Rhône, Cuvée Lone. Uh, Lone is a, is a little stream. Um, right. going, uh, you know, uh, on the side of the main fleuve of the Rhône. We call it Cuvillon because our vineyard is very close to that little river. Uh, we use, of course, uh, the Clairette, the majority Clairette. And we have, um, we have a type of grape, Clairette, uh, Grenache, Roussanne, Bourboulin. But for the Côte du Rhône, we can use also Uni Blanc. Uni Blanc is, uh, but we can also blend maximum 10%. So that means also we have a very st a strict regulation for the Côte du Rhône as well. And it doesn't really uh, change a lot as a Chateau Neuf du Pape. 
And for the red, it's the same. We have uh, the typical blend for our Chateau Pego is a 60% Grenache, 20% Syrah, 20% Mourvedre. Then it's very... Uh, I always wanted to produce a Cote d'Uron or Cote d'Uron village with the traditional winemaking process, exactly the same as our Chateau Neuf du Pape. Hand-picking, hand-picking, because... Uh, on the Côte du Rhône, you, we can we are allowed to pick by a machine, but we hand picking to uh, to have that stamp. With the machine, the machine battles the berries, but leaves the stamp. So for us, we want to make the wine the same as our Chateau Neuf du Pape with a full cluster. Then everything is picked by hand. And for the, the Côte du Rhône and Côte du Rhône village red, the Cuvée Maclora and the Cuvée Sétier, uh, it's the same winemaking process as, as our Chateau Neuf du Pape, but we age in the vat. And you have exactly the expression of the terroir, uh, which is a clay and very stony terroir at the Chateau Pégot. And uh, this is the expression of the typical blend of the red varietal. For me, I wanted something as a reference, simple, right. made, but with all the expression of the terroir and the great, the local great varietal. Sounds great, um, Laurence. We're running out of time, and. Before I let you go, I want to do something with you that I do with all my guests, and it's called the wine list. I'm going to ask you five questions about your wine preference because I'm very curious about what you drink. So I'm going to ask you the questions. Spontaneous. Don't dwell on it. You know, we don't have a lot of time, so move quickly, um, and I'll lead you through them. The first question is, what are you drinking now? And that reference is, besides tasting your wine, Wines. What else do you like to drink? You know, what's on your table? What are you trying? What's in the fridge? Do you change wines as the season changes? What are you enjoying right now? Uh, it's a very difficult question for me because I enjoy all the good wine. <laughs> all right. So tell me the top few things you're enjoying. I get that. That's a nice answer that you like so okay. much. Um, uh, I, I like champagne. Because this okay. is uh, usually I, I start answer. I start a dinner with uh, all the, uh, the aperitif with champagne. Um, yep, I agree with you on that. Then uh, I I like uh, Burgundy wine. Okay. Yesterday I had my friend from uh, Alsace, uh, Domaine ah, uh, de Lauriel, uh, Claude Vinezone, and we had. Um, uh, a, a Riesling brand aged uh, 2004. It was uh, absolutely fantastic. You, um, you, you hit all the good stuff. You hit champagne, yes. burgundy, uh, and Riesling, Riesling from the Alsace. I love Riesling from uh, Moselle as well. Uh, okay. I like some Californian wine. Uh, okay. I'm a fan That's of enough. sine qua non. <laughs> Yeah, well, everybody loves it. I actually had Maggie Harrison, who used to work with Manford. She's making Pinot Noir up in uh, Oregon. She was on the show. All right, I'm going to the next question. What is Laurence's favorite wine and food pairing? Not what you think is a good wine pairing, but what you like. You know, and I know you don't eat it every week, month, night, but what is that perfect wine and food pairing in your mind? Chateauneuf du Pape. With, with what? With um, what's lamb, the perfect? With uh, okay. lamb, with curry. Okay. I love curry. Lamb with a lamb curry lamb with... couscous. Uh, okay. Yasa. Uh, there are different. Okay. Uh, I love the different cooking from uh, from world as well. But spicy cooking is why yep. I I like some. Uh, uh, some Portuguese uh, cooking as well with chorizo and uh, Spanish as well. I like um, with um, a lot of piment uh, with uh, an onion, garlic. Uh, yep. The, the and lamb. the wine holds up. 
the wine holds up well to that. Those are all good ones. And um, Chateauneuf du Pape really fight, uh, fight with spicy food. For me, this yep. is the best pairing. Yesterday, I cooked some uh, uh, traditional Senegal uh, lamb, the yassa, and uh, we we uh, we pair. Well, yes, we pair that uh, typical uh, course with um, with the white from Alsace, and it match, uh -huh. and then uh, uh -huh. and it cool the fire, and the Chateauneuf du Pape red. Well, it was the Dakapo 2007 yesterday, really fight and make the spiciness even stronger. And it was fabulous. So it complemented it in a good way. All right, that's those are great. Now, I didn't mention, I'm going to post all these on our social media. Everybody loves to see them. All right, so third question. And uh, let's see if you could do this one. Do you have a favorite wine restaurant and or bar you know, it, whether it's in the region or in your travels that just has great people, great selection, a good vibe, um, you know, a, a local place, a restaurant that has a killer wine list. Does anything come to mind, one or two things? Uh, in my area? Yeah, I guess, because who knows the area better than you? And if anyone uh, visits the region... Uh, actually, we are very proud in Chateauneuf-du-Pape because uh, La Mère Germaine uh, had uh, our, his first star missionnaire. Ah, nice. And then uh, La Mère Germaine, unfortunately, with, uh, with the pandemic, it's, we cannot really uh, uh, have a mini restaurant. We have no restaurant open. Right. But La Mer Germaine with a star Michelin in Chateauneuf, this is uh, important. But we have also many local restaurants. Um, I try uh, I try different restaurants. But I like one of the restaurants in Belgium, who is uh, a very good friend of mine, called L'Invincible, the Invincible. And uh, is uh, in, um, in Anvers. Uh, and uh, and Kenny Brusson, I like his cooking. is uh, is okay. is fantastic. And, Those uh, are good ones. Yes, right, it's not ask... Star Michelin, but it's perfect. no, 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 no. It's it's what feels good. You know, yeah. usually that does because you don't have a star doesn't mean you're not doing mm. great food. But there's have a great so wine. many good wine in the world. There's so many great restaurants in the world. I'm sure. And you when know, you travel... being uh, with origin of Italian. My God, in Italy, it's <laughs> it's fantastic. I like pasta. <laughs> yeah. All right, so <laughs> spicy. Yeah. Answer my fourth question. The question is, what is your favorite all-time wine? Now, when I asked that, it sort of was, what was the rarest, most expensive wine that you drank? But the question really has become, what is that wine that was important to you is important that changed the way you look at it you know maybe it was something you had with your dad or your first burgundy what, what's what's an important wine to you when i was uh when uh when i was uh i would say 30 years old and um i um once i tasted a musini and probably that really changed my life. Okay, so you're, was that the first time you had a Musini? Um, probably I had Musini when I did some party in Burgundy. Right, but, but this one, one really I had stood a, out to one Musini really blow my mind. And this is you remember uh, what, what we it expect. was? Do you remember? I cannot say. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. All right. That, that's the way you answer that question. All right. Here's the last question, and we got to wrap up. And I think you could handle this well. I ask all my guests, the best wine around 15 to $20 American. I ask for a red and a white. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you answer this because I think the Cote du Rhone's are incredible values. Mm -hmm. Agree? Yes. Yeah. So if I'm spending fifteen, twenty, twenty-two dollars here in the United States, I can get some good Cote de Rhone's for that, right? Yes, yes. 
white and red? White and red, sure. Okay. All right. So that's, and, and you have in your um, chateau, you have Cote d'Aurons um, in those price ranges, correct? Sure. Yes. We have okay. white, uh, red, and we have also the Vin de France. Uh, rose, Vin de France. The pink. Right. We have the pink. All right. So not only can you answer that question, you make the wines that answers that question. Laurence, we have to wrap up. I told you the hour would go fast, as I tell all my guests. Mm. Um, let me do a quick wrap-up, and then I, I want to just get a little info from you. Thank you. So if you have a question, suggestion, wine happening, hit me up at samatthegrapenation.com. That's samatthegrapenation.com. Subscribe to the Grape Nation podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Facebook at The Great Nation, on Instagram at SBenRuby, on Twitter at BenRuby, but you can always use the hashtag The Great Nation on both. We're trying to build a community on Clubhouse. Uh, follow us at BenRuby. As I mentioned, we will post Laurence's wine list answers on our social media sites um, in the next week. Um, Laurence, if we want to find... Uh, more information about Pago, Domaine, Chateau, Selection Laurence, where, where should we go? On our Where's website, pego.com. Okay, P-E-G-A-U, okay. in case everyone knows. Yes. Pego.com. Yeah. Justine and all the wines. or I will answer to all the questions. Okay, that would be great. Um, and on social media, are you on Instagram? On Instagram, Domaine du Pego. Okay. And uh, Facebook as well, Domaine Pego. Okay, perfect. All right. I want to thank my guest, Laurence Farad. Um, thank you thank for you very taking much. the time, Laurence. Thank you to our engineer, Armin, and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. The Grape Nation is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.